Today's episode of the two-man power trip of wrestling is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. Podgo is providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co. That is one more time, P-O-D-G-O dot C-O, podgo dot co. The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Hi, folks. I'm WWE Hall of Famer Hacksaw Jim Duggan. If you'd like hearing knock-knock jokes or jokes about your grandmother, go somewhere else! Oh! Oh, my God! This is Joey Styles, and you're listening to the two-man power trip podcast. This is Cody Rhodes, and you are listening to two-man power trip. Good. How you doing, Chad? Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Okay. This is a uh, special visitor, the hardcore legend, Mick Foley. It was a very rough feud to go through with Rick. It was a very bitter feud, too. He certainly didn't like me at that time, and I didn't like him, and we were both trying to be at the top. I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know ten times more than I do. Well, look, Mean Gene, I can't be beat. I'm the greatest of all time. And I would say that, and every kid up, they knew they could kick the shit out of me. At this point, well, I'll be at a signing, and little kids will come up to me and throw up the click sign or talk about, oh, your ladder match with Sean at WrestleMania 10. I go, wait a minute, you weren't even a glimmer in your dad's eye. But yeah, bro, it's really flattering and, and amazing and humbling. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling, and now they bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two man power trip of wrestling. For the next minute and a half, we've got Bobby Jaggers up here in the crow's nest. You know something, ladies and gentlemen? I am proud as pumpkin pie for one thing. I'm on KTZZ channel 22 on your dial in Seattle, Washington, starting as of today. Hi, ladies and gentlemen in Seattle, Washington. This is Bobby Jaggers. This is Don Koss, and we're going to bring you the best wrestling that you ever seen in your life. This is Ricky Vaughn over here as my tag team partner. Not only that, Ricky, we're going up to Pendleton. We're going up on the east side of the Cascades, Yakima. We're going all over Washington State in search of the dream, Daddy, in search of the Tag Team Championship. And I'll guarantee you one thing, ladies and gentlemen, you got the best-looking body in professional wrestling. You might have the worst-looking body on this side, but one of the better minds, right, Ricky? That's right, Bobby. Thank you. I just want to address this to Miller and Steiner. Miller, I don't have to prove myself to you. I think I prove myself many times over. You have to prove yourself to me. Bobby and I are going for the tag team champions. We want the belt. They can look good around our waist. Not only that, I want 
the Pacific Northwest heavyweight belt as well. So one other thing to say, and that is, Miller, what you did, I had a friend bring some flowers up here. What you do, you tear them up. That's just about your mentality. Everything you do is crooked, deceiving, cheatful. You're a scum, what can I say? But not only that, Ricky Vaughn, Ricky, Mike Miller, Snyder, remember one thing. You got the most sick and devious mind in professional wrestling on this side. It's me. Good night, ladies and gentlemen. We out of time. Bye, uh, Seattle. KTZZ Channel 22. Bye. Bobby Jaggers and Ricky Vaughn telling it like it is. This is Don Koss. Thanks very much for joining us today on Big Time Wrestling. We'll see you next Saturday. Bye-bye. And now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Two Man Power Trip and at Rasslin Pal. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Please leave us a review. We would love to hear your feedback. Check out the feed for awesome past episodes, including Bruno San Martino, Sean Michael, Dusty Rhodes, Jerry Lawler, Terry Funk. Goldberg, Ray Mysterio Jr., Arn Anderson, Glenn Kane Jacobs, and so many more. While you're on the web, visit ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, that is ProWrestlingTees.com. Visit our store, visit J.J. Dillon's store, Francine's store, and of course, the franchise Shane Douglas' store. For all you Android users out there, find us on Google Play and Player FM. For all you iOS users, check us out on TuneIn Radio. Spotify, iHeartRadio, Podomatic, and now Stitcher. And of course, check out the Empire. Yes, that is the TMPT Empire now. TMPTEmpire.com for all the latest and greatest on the two-man power trip of wrestling. Joining us on the line right now is a former world-class world television champion, a former world-class tag team champion, and, of course, a world-class six-man tag team champion. This is a very rare interview. He is Mr. Lance Von Eric. Lance, welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling. Hey, former Lance Von Eric. Well, thank you. <laughs> yes, and, of course, the new book coming out by yourself and Vinnie Berry, Lance by Chance, Wrestling as a Von Eric. What was it like kind of going down memory lane, not being a part of the business for about 35 years, and coming up with this great book? Well, I'd met, I'd met uh, Barry by, uh, he, by, by um, Facebook Messenger, and he said, would I be interested in doing a book? And I liked, uh, you know, several people before had asked me to do it. And uh, I turned him down, and then Barry came along, and I don't know. I uh, I like what he had to say, and so we collaborated for the last two years and uh, came out with a book. And it's so interesting because you really have been very selective, and you haven't been a part of the wrestling business for a very long time. What about it kind of made you want to do it? I mean, it, was it something that you felt like you had to finally maybe get your story out there? Well, I, I don't know. I 
you know, I've lived out of the country since, uh, I don't know, since I left uh, world class and never really thought about wrestling anymore. Didn't I, you know, I never was a wrestling fan, didn't watch wrestling, and uh, um, I finished my career in South Africa, and, you know, it uh, afforded me to do a lot of other things that I wouldn't have been able to do. You know, people were like, oh, man, it's terrible that you left uh, world class. It must be hard. And, you know, in re- reality, it wasn't. It was great because I, I got to go into, you know, acting. I got to do television commercials, and I opened up health clubs. So it was good It was good to me, you know. And it was. I think I did better when I actually left world class than I would have if I stayed around. Yeah, that is interesting because you think like, oh, wow, you know, wrestling fans thinking like, wow, you know, you, it all must have stunk that you left business, the, you know, the wrestling business. But you're saying it actually ended up being better for you because you got into other things and maybe wrestling may have helped with your acting and your TV. Do you kind of feel that way? Well, of course it did because, like I said, I wouldn't have, you know, because I was very over in South Africa with the wrestling and I, I don't know if it, things would have worked out the same in the States. And who knows? You never know, you know. Could have very well been that I'd gone to uh, the WWF, but it, it didn't happen that way. So I, who knows? But it came out okay with me. You know, I'm still alive, and a lot of those guys aren't. <laughs> yeah. Very, very true. Now you mentioned you weren't a wrestling fan. You had no aspirations of getting into the wrestling business. How did you kind of get into the wrestling business? I, mean, I guess David Manning found you, but how did that all kind of go down? How did that? actually come to come to be yeah well Vinny you actually uh you could probably tell them better than me well you know he was uh discovered by David Manning on the on the golf course in Arlington and was just intrigued by his his body and and he was just invited down to the sportatorium and then he went down to the sportatorium and met with Fritz why don't you take it from your, your meeting with Fritz there? I'm sorry? What was it like meeting Fritz von Erich? Um, <laughs> I didn't know who he was, really. I mean, I'd, watched, I mean, I'd seen the von Erichs on television a couple of times. Uh, but but uh, he was kind of an intimidating guy. Didn't have a lot of, you know, uh, he didn't have a lot to say, just uh, have I ever thought about wrestling and how much did I weigh and would I be interested in wrestling and uh, and had a couple of people look at me. You know, uh, I met with uh, David Manning and also Ken Mantell and also uh, um, a couple other guys and, you know, said, yeah, 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 he looks the part. So... That was about that was uh, my first meeting. That was about it. And did you think like hey, this is for me, or like what was your mindset? Thinking maybe more financially, what were you thinking as far as getting into wrestling? Well, I thought they were. You know, I I grew up in a, a Jaguar, and I remember people asking me when I first had driven up. You know, I mean, not the first time. I guess the second time. So why do you want to go into wrestling? <laughs> I said, well, I, it's not that I want to. I mean, you know, I was approached by these guys, and I said, 
you got to, you know, you're selling real estate there, and you got to, because I told them I was selling real estate, and you're driving a Jaguar. What would you ever want to get in this business for? And I thought there was a lot of money that could be made in wrestling. I mean, that's the way they kind of laid it out to me. Yeah, I mean, it definitely, especially during the 80s, too. I mean, it was the, the boom period of wrestling. They, they called it the golden era of wrestling. So when you first got in and they're talking to you about training and stuff, what do they say to you? They, they say they're going to send you out to Portland, like, or they say they're going to keep you close. Like, what, how does that kind of conversation go down? Uh, well, they actually would come. They told me to come down and work out a couple of times a week, and Fritz made different people come down with me and all the people that were uh, world-class at the time. And uh, sometimes they showed up, sometimes they didn't. And, uh, <laughs> you know, Kevin and Kerry would pop in every once in a while and look for a couple of minutes. I think that, the father, that Fritz wanted them to actually... Uh, train me, but uh, you know they they just came by and you know nobody wants to sit there for two hours and train somebody. It's not a lot of fun, you know. If you're forced to do it, especially you don't really want to be there. But I think that he thought that Kevin and Kerry were going to go down there and, and and train me, and he probably sent them. But you know, obviously they just sat there for a couple of minutes and then took off. Um. So, yeah, I had an idea. They said, well, listen, we're going to, we're going to, you know, work with you for a couple of months here, and then we're going to send you off somewhere, you know, maybe, you know, for Florida, maybe Portland. There's a guy in Portland that would be, uh, be a good place for you. They don't get too much national television. Are you interested in going? And I said, well, they didn't have ask me really if I was interested in going. They said, you know, this would be probably what you would do. You know, so that would be the idea because it's got the least amount of television coverage. And I guess you would meet Don Owen out there for uh, Pacific Northwest. And what was it like kind of meeting him and getting out there and getting a taste of Portland wrestling? Well, I like Portland, actually. It's a beautiful state. And, uh, yeah, I met Don, and they gave me a push from the word go. You know, and I, I, in the book, you'll... You have to read the book, obviously, but uh, they, um, you know, I I lived with uh, with uh, Billy Jack Haynes for a few months there, and uh, Sandy Barr, actually, who was one of the referees, actually trained me. I probably learned the most from Sandy Barr and a guy and uh, a couple of the the local the local Jerry Gray local talent there. What was it like with Billy Jack Haynes? Everyone always says, you know, he's a little eccentric. He could be a little crazy. What was it like with Billy Jack at that point? I, I think that Billy Jack had just, uh, he never told me this, but I think um, just talking from other people that he had just gotten out of prison. And uh, he was he was living a straight, you know, uh, no, and he wasn't uh he wasn't a partier at the time, and he, you know, he did it as wrestling matches, and he wouldn't hang around with anybody else. Just, just me. I would ride with him in his black Corvette to the different towns, and uh, he, he wasn't eccentric at that time, really. You know, he, I worked out, he worked out, and we, you know, lived with his, uh, with uh, his uncle 
you know, he had bought his uncle's house because his uncle was having financial problems and lived with him for a few months. And what did you think about the actual wrestling there? Were, were you learning a lot? Did you enjoy it? Were you actually starting to like pro wrestling at that point in Portland? I don't know if I ever really liked wrestling. I, you know, I mean, I didn't dislike it. I was hoping that I could make some decent money at it. Yeah, but I liked all the, I liked all the wrestlers in Portland. You know, and uh, the territory was pretty small. You didn't have, you know, you, it, it wasn't like working in Texas where you one not be in. You know, Texas is a big state, first of all. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, but, you know, you'd, you'd be all over the state and in Louisiana and Oklahoma and Alabama. And, you know, it was a, a big territory uh, where Oregon was pretty easy. You know, you always knew that you were going to be in Portland on a Saturday night and on a Thursday night you were in Salem, which was... I don't know, an hour and a half away, so not a hard, uh, you know, wasn't wasn't a bad trip from Portland. And then Eugene would be on a Friday, which was a little further than, you know, uh, Salem. So we knew at least three nights out of the, well, we we didn't work uh, on Sundays typically, but uh, you knew four out of the seven nights you're going to be someplace close. And I guess you were... And I guess you were Ricky Vaughn, right, at this point? I was Ricky Vaughn at that time, yeah. Is that something that, that you wanted to be Ricky Vaughn, or, or they just gave you that name and you went with it? <laughs> no, I, I, they took it for me. I had no choice. It was just, hey, you're Ricky Vaughn. Okay. <laughs> now, as far as kind of being out there, you win the tag titles with Billy Jack Haynes, and, and, you know, you get a, a bit of a push. You win the heavyweight championship over Mike Miller. Did you kind of feel like you were getting a groove and starting to really get a hang of this wrestling thing? Well, you know, I mean, I was pushed into something that I, was, I wasn't I was ready for. And, you know, Don knew that you know, he didn't know exactly, but he knew that, uh, um, that most probably I wasn't going to be in Portland in a long time. He wanted to keep me in Portland. And he told me, listen, you need to hang around here an extra couple of years, and then you can go to the WWF. But if you go back to the, you know, to, um, to Dallas, they're going to, you know, they're going to eat you up. You're just not ready for it. Did you ever think about going to the WWF, or that wasn't really on your radar? The WWF? Yeah. No, you know, I mean, but it, um, it, it really wasn't on my radar. What I was thinking is that, you know, because truly, if, if it had worked out the right way, and, I mean, television was done right in Dallas, and, you know, they had done the right thing for, you know, because what, what, hap- what happened was that they would just churn people out. You know, they'd bring them in and, you know, kind of use them up and then, they would uh, go to a different territory. So the Von Erics were the ones that were always, you know, over there. And uh, and I think that if they had told a better storyline and kind of worked it a little bit better, that, uh, you know, it would have been a great thing to be a Von Erich. But it turned out that it wasn't such a great thing. It was actually, it was very difficult, you know, for many reasons. One is that I was working... You know, uh, because the Von Erichs could never 
there was always something wrong with one of them. You know, they couldn't make the counts for whatever reason. But uh, I ended up wrestling twice a, you know, twice a day. Now, as far as becoming a Von Erich, when you leave Portland and you go to world class in, in late 85, how does that kind of happen? Is, is Fritz telling you, okay, now you're Lance Von Erich, you're not Ricky Vaughn? Like, how does that whole thing go down? No, they actually told me beforehand, we're going to bring you in as a cousin. You know, they'd already preset this up, I guess, in you know, years before. Because I think if they thought about that, you know, that down the road they're going to need somebody. Obviously, it came faster than they thought because of David Von Eric and, you know, my getting sick. And, you know, so I think it just came a lot faster than what they thought. Yeah, Mike Von Eric got uh, toxic shock, and, you know, you kind of, I guess, brought in his replacement. Obviously, David passes away. They say, you know, if there, David hadn't passed away, you know, maybe there wouldn't have been a Lance. Do you ever think about stuff like that, or that that's not really stuff that you tend to think about? No, it didn't really matter. I mean, I was going to, you know, I knew whatever I was going to do, I was going to make money, and, you know, I just, in, I, it just at that time, you know, the Von Erichs were huge, and, you know, I I thought for a, a, a minute that, you know, I mean, I thought these guys were making huge amounts of money, huge amounts. I mean, you know, if you watch the storyline on television, these guys are, you know, wrestling for, I don't know, whatever it was, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars. So I just thought because of the television, you know, that they were making some decent money. Yeah, uh, for sure. And, and obviously with the Von Erichs at that point in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, they were drawing crazy. Sportorium was always crazy. Uh, they're running the Reunion Arena. I mean, that's pretty big. I mean, they were definitely drawing thousands of thousands of fans for sure. Well, when I started, you know, in reality, the, the Texas, when I came in on the Texas show, I mean, it was, it was so, I mean, it was huge, but I kind of hit it at the wrong time. I should have been there, you know, and they didn't need me earlier, and I wasn't around earlier. But, you know, if if I had been there a few years earlier, I just missed it. Each one of the, uh, you know, the big shows that they had was smaller and smaller and smaller. You know, they just weren't growing the houses that they were. Yeah. They were, they were saying like year, years before and like the um, the David tribute show with Kerry winning the NWA title versus Rick. I mean, that was just a crazy drawing house. You're right. It was kind of down each year after that. And I feel like they really needed another Von Erich. So you know, obviously, you know, you come in and you're, you're the cousin. When they start bringing you in, do fans say anything? Like, I know you're supposed to be the son of Waldo Von Erich, who was Fritz's brother. But do the fans say anything like, oh, is he really a Von Erich? Like, how did that all go down? Not really. Nobody really said so. I, I only had one time that somebody had said something. They wanted to believe it, you know. Even if they didn't believe it, they wanted to believe it. You know, so I never really had a problem with that. And I was doing, you know, quite, quite frankly, I was doing a lot of, uh, I wasn't making a lot of money, you know, uh, wrestling. None of us were, really. But I, where I was making money, which I don't know if uh, Fritz wanted me to do it or not, but I was doing a television commercials and I was appearances that I was making money um, and my pictures I was smart enough to take pictures with you know I mean because Carrie's pictures were selling really well 
uh, that I, I don't know if you've ever seen the pictures that I've taken with, you know, a leopard and with machine gun, a, mo- a movie that I was casted for, uh, I had a machine gun, uh, and dressed in, you know, I had an RPG on my back, and those pictures actually sold really, really well. Um, I only got 50 cents on every picture, but, and I actually, they were selling, they got sold Terry's pictures even, you know, and Kevin and Michael's, Mike's, I was selling a lot more pictures, and I think I was the only wrestler that was getting, you know, money for those, other than the Von Erics, and, you know, they weren't really paying me for the pictures I was selling, so I was a little bit upset. That's part of the reason that I, at the end, left as well. Yeah, and I get in the, the fair shake. And it's interesting, look, if, if you look at, like, pictures of you, and like you mentioned, that awesome one with the, the machine gun and stuff, obviously you're you're big, you're huge, you're in great shape. Did you think you looked like the Von Erich? Because obviously very similar body to, to Kerry Von Erich. Do you think that you look like them enough to be cousins? Well, I guess so, because I, I actually I was more of a Von Erich than they were. You know, my, you know at least my name's Von. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, I was in really, really great shape until I went to work for uh, World Class. If you look on the front of the book, on the left-hand side of the book, you know, you can see what how much better shape I was in South Africa. You know, I mean, I literally went, and I'm better shape now than I was back wrestling with him because I was either injured or I was wrestling twice a day, so I didn't have time to work out. That's another reason that I actually... You know, I'd actually wanted to leave. It's because I just couldn't. I couldn't work out. I couldn't do the things that I I like to do. And my body, I I don't. I think I look horrible during that time because, you know, I'm I was actually bigger than Carrie. You know, I mean, if you look in some of the pictures, there's a picture in my book. I think of me and in, uh, in in I'm in India. I was 315 pounds in India and cut up. You know, so I was actually bigger than Carrie. And Carrie had a great body. But because I was, you know, wrestling and injured all the time, I couldn't do anything. Is that something that they never bring up to you either? It's like beforehand, it's like, hey, if you're injured, you just wrestle hurt, you wrestle hurt. Is that something that they ever kind of bring up to you? No, of course not. You know, but it's, you have to be there. You got to be there. You got to, you got to go on our accident because they had somebody else to take their place, you know, but, uh, for me, if I didn't go, you know, I was in trouble. Matter of fact, I remember them telling Steve Simpson, because he was a good friend of mine, and, you know, also I got him into world class. He they said, listen, you're in charge with Everlance. You get into the towns, and you don't, you know, you don't be late. That's your job. And he was like, what the, you know, what the hell? Why do I have to do that? I mean, he didn't say that, but I know that's what he saw. <laughs> he was responsible. <laughs> kind of. You know, and it's kind of, it wasn't his job. You know, I, I think he felt a little bit, you know, because I did get him and his family into Dallas. Because if not, I don't know if they would have ever ended up in Dallas. And you're right, there's a great picture in the book. And it's crazy because Kerry Von Erich is known as, you know, being one of the biggest guys and one of the best bodies. You, yeah, you were kind of bigger than him and kind of more cut up than him at one point. Kind of amazing. Is that because of the bodybuilding background, your weightlifting background? genetics and, yeah, bodybuilding background, and so, you know, I mean, like I said, even now at this point, right, I'm 270 pounds and I'm cut up right now, and, you know, I'm, you know, I'm uh, 60 years old, 
So, you know, I'm in better shape than I was when I was, you know, whenever I was working for world class, a lot better shape. And that's kind of sad. <laughs> Crazy. Now, as far as kind of the Von Erichs, talking about um, Carrie Von Erich and stuff, what was the relationship like with Carrie? Did you, were you guys close at all, or was, was it standoffish a little? No, very good. I, I liked him. He liked me. You know, I don't think there was anybody in that whole group that ever let me, well, that I ever felt that didn't like me other than the side. Kevin, uh, Kevin didn't like me. I didn't care for Kevin. I didn't dislike him. I didn't like him. I did, he was there. You know, but I didn't have a lot in common with him. Uh, Mike and Chris were on their own pluck. They did their own thing. And, you know, I mean, I really didn't ever get to know. I don't think anybody ever got to know them. They were kind of, you know, um, off on the side, didn't talk to anybody really a lot. They just did their own thing. And, uh, you know, I think that Chris was, you know, a lot younger. And obviously Mike seemed not so grown up. He seems kind of childish in a way, you know I mean? Not in a bad way, but, you know, because he was around Chris a lot and Chris was a lot younger, so they thought a little bit differently. You know, and I'm sure that Mike didn't want to be a wrestler. I'm sure of it, you know, that he, his, their father put a lot of pressure on the guys. Yeah, you think about it, it's like, they basically are born into the business. They have to be in the business. They're thrown out in front of the fans, in front of the crowds, and you know they, they're they're a von Erich. They're they're going to have some pressure on them. Did you feel that same pressure? Like, hey, I'm a von Erich. There's going to be a ton of pressure on me to perform. Yeah, of course. You know, I mean, just by you know, just by yeah, just by being part of that. Yeah, of course. Especially because I didn't. You know, I wasn't. Lucky enough, or I don't I guess you call it luck, uh, but, you know, these guys were wrestling with their father when they were, you know, eight years old. They grew up watching it. And most wrestlers, quite frankly, most, you know, like Kanevsky and a bunch of them, you know, I was, uh, The Rock, they all come from, you know, uh, I mean, I, I'm just using a couple just that I'm thinking of just right now, but I mean, many, many come from their wrestling background. You know, their fathers were wrestlers, and that's what they always wanted to do. They aspired to do that. Even, there's a lot of them that told me that if, even if they didn't get paid, they would wrestle. That's how much they loved it. Wow, that's kind of, um, you know, a different thing to say. I mean, you're in the business to make money, right? Well, it wasn't that well. I surely was, which I didn't do, but you know, but uh, that's that was the idea. But a lot of these guys are just happy, you know, to be on a road and to to, to wrestle. They, you know, and you know, it's kind of funny because you know how when you're in front of a lot of people, you know, it's the, the it's it's very easy to wrestle. You don't feel the bumps and all that. But when you have a small like in in many towns in Oregon we would go to, and it would be a very small crowd, you know, uh, where you'd have like a, a hundred people in the audience. You know, it was very difficult to get out and get motivated and put on a good show, you know. Uh, and it's crazy how different it was. And funny enough, in South Africa, we grew huge houses compared to, you know, the, the houses in in Texas after the first the first six months that I was there, you know, and in Portland, we for 
sure do a lot bigger houses than uh, in South Africa. So the adrenaline's pumping. It's easier to work, get motivated, and, and not feel the bumps as much? Right. You know, we uh, when I went to India uh, and wrestled, we had crowds of, you know, 40,000, 50,000 people. Oh, wow. Well, amazing. That's crazy. The uh, the fan base, who you know, who knew that it was out there? Um, how did you kind of get out there? Well, they didn't to... know any of us. That's a funny thing. You know, they didn't even know any of us. They, they, they were starved at that time for entertainment. I'm sure that they, they saw the, the WWF, and they kind of they kind of sold us as the WWF. So we grew some big houses without having them know any of the wrestlers. I mean, Kamala was on a card with me, and they, they might have known him, uh, but the rest of the, the wrestlers that I wrestled with, none of them, you know, they didn't know him, and they still do some big houses, Singapore as well, Malaysia as well. Like, who set up those tours? How did you get involved with, with going all the um, way over there to wrestle? Well, I was already in South Africa, and, you know, and Dusty Wolf had actually, uh, um, I don't know if you know Dusty. I'm sure you know. Dusty. Oh yeah, I've interviewed him before. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, he's got a couple wrestling books. Yeah, too. he actually was a really good friend of mine. I, I actually had a lot of respect for him, and he actually uh, contacted me and said he would come over to South Africa and wrestle for one of the promoters. That and if you read, you know, when the fans read the book, you know, the book's about just to plug the book a little bit. The book's about. You know the wrestling and the Von Erichs and my, but it's also the the journey that I had. You know, which was on a train that got bombed and on an airplane that got hijacked, and just a lot of cool. I mean, it wasn't cool at the time, but you know, to look back, it was pretty interesting to see some of the some of the things that had happened along the way. So it's not only the the wrestling and it and with the Von Erichs, but it's the journey that I had through all that. You know, and living. You know, I've lived in seven countries. I haven't been back to the States since, you know, 96. I have uh, two other citizenships. And I've had a, you know, I've had a, a, an interesting journey in the meantime. So that's telling the story about what's happened in between all that. You know, I had another 10 years of wrestling in South Africa. And anyway, so Dusty hooked me up with a guy that that uh, was uh, an Australian um uh, promoter, and he was doing uh, Asia, uh, obviously because you know Australia's in Asia, and uh, so I worked. I worked for him several times, you know, uh, and of course we went several times, Dusty and I, to Israel as well, where we were really over. You know, we were big time in Israel. Yeah, I feel like world class too was was huge in in Israel, and and that's still to this day. I know the the Von Erich well, kids, Kevin's kids, are big. It's still to this day are big over there. It's crazy. Channel thirty nine was you know for that Christian broadcasting was at eleven on, and actually it's funny because after I left the Von Erichs, I uh, met a guy in Dallas that was a, a banker, and uh, I got him to. Uh, finance uh, a trip over to to Israel and uh, we went obviously without the, the Von Erichs but we took a lot of the you know world class wrestlers over there to, to do it and the funny thing is when I went over there 
uh, I went a couple of weeks beforehand uh, to do some because I loved Israel. I, I learned, you know, I, I learned Hebrew and spent a lot of time, a lot of time in Israel, and had a lot of friends there. So before and uh, you know, when the first time we went to the second and third time we went, and then afterwards for many years I kept going to Israel. Um, but uh, when I actually landed in the airport by myself, there was thirty thousand people there to, you know, to meet me. It was crazy. They love their wrestling, which is is so, you know, you don't think about it because like you said it's on that that TV station. But they love their wrestling out there. Well, they love the Von Erichs. That's one. You know, I was over there, and I, I got to tell you that I had a friend that actually we bought. Uh, Remember those old Polaroids where you push the button and the, the picture would come out? Oh yeah, you know, yep. Camera, and then it would, uh, you could actually, it would like uh, within I don't know, sixty seconds, it'd be, you know, you could see the picture. Yeah, you shake, know. shake it a little bit. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So we took over about I don't know five me myself actually myself about five thousand uh, I had five thousand photos and we charged ten dollars a picture uh, and I had my friend drive me all over Israel and we 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 actually within a, a week charged ten dollars for each picture and we we sold five thousand pictures. Wow! If oh I had had a hundred thousand, you know, if I had had ten thousand rolls of of, uh, or packets of of uh, of uh, you know uh, where I could do pictures, I could have I could have made a fortune there, but, but we just couldn't get the the film. It was amazing. There'd be people like a hundred deep waiting to take pictures. Wow, amazing! I just you think about it, it's like wow, they really, really you know have an affinity for like you said for the Von Erichs. They love the name. They love the Von Erichs. Yeah, just the Von Erichs. I mean, they liked, you know, the other wrestlers, obviously, but the Von Erichs was just so over in the middle of the So I could have put a business in there. Kerry could have, you know, truly Kerry, if he had put in gems there, he could have made a fortune, you know, because he was so over there. Now, back in Texas, you kind of were saying that before, was there any kind of deception when, when you become Lance Von Eric? Was like, I know uh, Kevin says, oh, I feel like maybe we were lying to the fans. Do you feel any deception there, or is that kind of just kind of silly to think? It, it, say it again, I don't understand. I mean, I, I, I like, can't really. You know, I'm in Mexico right now, and uh, it's, it's, well, that's where I live part of the year. I can okay. barely hear you on the phone. Say it again. Oh, I was, uh, Kevin had said, like, oh, he felt like it was a deception to the fans to bring in a non-Von Eric saying they were Von Eric. Did you ever feel like there was a, any sort of deception to the fans, or you think that's kind of silly because it's pro wrestling? You know, the whole thing is, uh, you know, it's, uh, uh, I mean, the case of everybody's, you know, the whole thing is a deception. And the only difference, you know, whether it be the storylines or who's related to who, um, the only deception is that the, the people wanted to believe the Von Erichs. But yeah, I mean, just the, just the way they said David Von Erich died. Okay, well, you know, I mean, intestinal parasite. Yeah, right. Well, anyway, you know, I mean, that's what people wanted to believe, even though they knew it wasn't true. Um, I believe that Kevin 
You know, they felt that they were giving me such an opportunity, and I think that Kevin actually felt like I'd betrayed them, especially Kevin, you know, because, and I don't think they ever had a problem with it until I decided that I didn't, I kind of held them up. I either wanted to make more money, you know, and I'd been hurt. What happened was I got North of Barbarian threw me on my shoulder and messed up my shoulder, so I wanted, and I'd been working a lot, and I needed some time off, and so I just didn't want to come back. You know, I just had had enough. You know, they weren't paying me, and, you know, I was working all the time, and, you know, at the time, my marriage was suffering because I was always gone, and, you know, I when I left, they just felt like I had, uh, I, I, I was, they, you know, I looked a gift horse in the mouth. They just thought that I had betrayed them, especially Kevin. And so I, that's why they came up with that. One, and number two is I think that they were really afraid that I was going to go to the WWF. Yeah, so I guess they kind of say, you know, they reveal you you weren't a Von Eric, right? Is that how it goes down? You you basically got revealed that... Yeah, I don't know. I wasn't even in the country. I'd actually... I would. T- I, I think at the time, I'd actually taken off, and I was done. You know? Um, and I... You know, I'd, I'd heard what they had said on the television. I didn't really care. To, 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 I never thought I would ever come back to Texas ever, even to, to visit. You know? And I think I've been, I've been back once to Texas. And that was for a week. I had to do something there. And that was many, many years ago. But I, I didn't care. I really didn't care. But um, but I think that, you know, I think it was stupid for them to do that. I would have just set sail in the sunset, and they would have never heard from me again, and they would, could have made up any kind of anything, and it would have been much better. Yeah, because then it looks like they lied to the fans. You know what I mean? If they would have just let it be, yeah. no one would have known. Of course, they just could have said that, you know what, he had such a bad injury from Nord the Barbarian that he ruined his career and he's done. You know, and I don't, nobody ever talked to me about it except for some of the people that would come over to, you know, South Africa like Matt Bourne. And he just said, man, it's a good thing that you left when you did too because it just turned to shit. But, um, can I say shit on that? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, no problem. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, and I mean, and many people said that. They just said, you know what? And you did a good job under the circumstances. You know, you had a lot of pressure on you. We, we Even uh, Brian Adidas had told me one time, I haven't talked to him but once, you know, in many, many years. Um, uh, but I talked to him on Facebook, not even, in, you know, not on a telephone. And, he said, yeah, I just want to tell you, I think you did a really good job with what you had, uh, you know, with all the pressure that you had. And, you know, so, and I think that a lot of people in the business thought that. There's a few that didn't because, again, they thought, like, very hard. And I think that uh, Missy Hyatt was probably, you know, we were pretty good friends. Uh, and uh, uh, the Freebirds, I mean, not... not uh, because I think he had, you know, he was dead by the time, you know, that, uh, but, uh, you know, I mean, uh, Michael Hayes, he didn't like this guy, but it kind of messed up their storyline too, you know, 
because they were all working around the Bon Eric. And when I was gone, I guess they, you know, it was only, you know, I guess Kevin and Kerry partially because he was, you know, he was all messed up with his foot. Yeah, it's like the, the Von Erich and Freebird, that epic rivalry that was such a big deal down there, and you were kind of right in, in the midst of it for a, a brief time there. Yeah, and also, the you know, uh, um, with um, with Gino and Chris, you know, so I was kind of in, in between that, too, and it just it hurt the storyline for those guys, especially when they don't have Von Erich to wrestle, you know. Uh, yeah, and there was, besides, like, the Von Eric death and Gino Hernandez, there was so much tragedy and, and craziness going on in World Class. It just seemed like it was almost cursed at one point with with all the, you know, deaths and all the craziness surrounding him. one point. Look at it. I mean, you know, the, it, look at all the people that have, you know, Chris Adams dead. You know, Gino Hernandez dead. Buzz Sawyer dead. Uh, Matt Bourne, dead. Uh, Ultimate Warrior, dead. I mean, it's the Von Ayers, all of them, but Kevin, dead. You know, I mean, it's just crazy that, you know, that uh, so many people from that territory, more than any other territory, yeah, probably, I don't know, but I'm I'm guessing double the amount. You know, you got, you know, uh, Rick Rude dead. I mean, it's just, to me, it's just amazing. Bruiser Brody, too, if you think about it. Bruiser Brody. Did you have any sort of relationship with Brody while while we uh, bringing him up? Yep, uh, pretty good. You know, pretty good uh, you know, relationship with him. Actually, I like him. You know, and he was a he was a smart guy, and uh, we uh, he was there with me on the tour to Israel, and he actually got there a little earlier, too. I think I got there a month early, and he got there a week uh, before we started, uh, you know, to do any television or to, to, to do any uh, doing of the shows. And I spent a week traveling with him, you know, doing some publicity. He was a good guy, I like him. And you also mentioned there, briefly, the Ultimate Warrior, who was the Dingo Warrior then. And I don't know if a lot of people will remember this, but you were tag team champion with the Dingo Warrior for yeah. World Class. So what did you kind of think of the Warrior? Everyone says he's, you know, an eccentric personality. I liked him a lot, too. Uh, we were good friends. And, uh, I mean, we didn't go hang out together, but we did stay. You know, we went to Atlanta together, and uh, we were roommates a couple of times when we did that. Uh, we had uh, a lady that was um, our, you know, she was a, a promoter for television commercials and stuff and appearances, and her name was Jake, and uh, I like him. He didn't like the Von Erics. He you couldn't know, wait to get out of there, I guess, right? Yeah, he, he just didn't like him. And, you know, I mean, Carrie, he put up with, you know, I think everybody, you kind of... <laughs> Kerry was just a, a good guy. He was a little bit, you know, because a lot of times when you see him, he's under the influence of some another. Uh, and he was pretty funny in the fact that he, you know, when you'd see him, he was a little bit stoned, but nice guy. You know, he was very funny. Uh, I, I liked him, you know. Uh, and uh, I liked most of all the guys. There was very few I didn't like. 
Yeah, that's interesting. Everyone always says like they loved Kerry, like out of everybody, and that he was the nicest and he was the most easiest to kind of get along with. Is that kind of just the, the exact way you saw it too? He was the easiest of the Von Erichs to get along with. Yeah, because he truly, you know, he maybe he didn't. I mean, maybe he didn't care, but he acted like he did. You know, he very complimentary. He had good manners. He was funny. He was friendly. Where Kevin was. He was kind of like a mini Fritz. You know, and I think for Kevin, I don't know. Uh, I, I think for Kevin it must have been difficult because obviously, you know, Kerry out of that whole bunch obviously stood out. And so I think it might have been difficult for Kevin, you know, because Kevin was just kind of average-looking and kind of average, you know, built. He wasn't anything special where Kerry was. I mean, Kerry could have, you know... In reality, if Kerry wanted to pursue bodybuilding, he could have done really, really well. He had a an awesome physique. You know, very few in the wrestling industry had had the symmetry that he had. He he of all the wrestlers that I have come in contact with, you know, or met, you know, he was probably the, had the best body. Yeah, he was. He's a Greek god, you know. They they say the modern day warrior. He really was. I mean, he was, he was definitely in unbelievable shape. You mentioned that you know sometimes he was under the influence. Was that a huge problem backstage at World Class? Was there a lot of drugs and extracurricular activity going on? For everybody, yeah. I mean, and me included. I mean, you know, everybody was into into something or another. I mean, I don't want to. You know, I, I, and I'm not going to say what, but there's a lot of people that, you know, were into, you know, uh, multiple different types of drugs. And now, as far most of them, huh? I was going to say, as far as like, not getting into it, but like, I guess that was not only a problem for war class, I'm, I'm sure that was a problem in other wrestling leagues you were in as well. Well, I mean, I, I don't know because I didn't, you know, I didn't work in a lot of places. I only knew Oregon. I only knew uh, um, uh, World Class. I think that World Class had a bigger problem than, than Portland. I think that everybody in Portland, I mean, most everybody were drinkers, you know, I mean, like big drinkers. Um, with World Class, I think it was a little bit more everything. You know, and I think that part of that is that when you're on the road for 12 hours someplace and you get out and you wrestle and then you get back in a, a car and start driving back, you know, I mean, it's a lot of time in a car, you know? So I think that, you know, I think that you kind of, and to get up in the morning, you know, I mean, some people needed a bump to get up in the morning or the other people needed something to put them to sleep and others that needed something to relax them. Yeah, I'm not saying everybody did. I just, there was quite a few. So. Yeah, it, it's definitely a hard life. And to get from town to town and, and be able to wake up and do it the next day, I mean, that's definitely rough and um, a hard way to kind of do certain things, especially taking bumps and getting injured. And like you said, like, you know, Nor the Barbarian or somebody kind of injuring you, I mean, it makes it that much worse to travel from town to town. Yeah, of course. 
Now, as we hit the wind down, we head towards the finish, I got to ask you about the Nature Boy Ric Flair, one of the obviously one of the most famous wrestlers of all time. You had the opportunity to wrestle him. You had an NWA world title match, matches against him. What was kind of your thoughts on that? Did, was that a big deal at all to you, or, or not really? You didn't really know who Flair was. No, I actually knew it was a real big deal. The thing is, I, I wasn't ready to, to actually wrestle him, and he was like, don't worry, I'll make you look good. You just go out there, you listen to me, kid, and you, you know, and I'd met him before. If you read in the book, he's, he was an awesome guy. Um, great personality, you know, obviously in the ring and out of the ring, he was, he was a, he was a, a champion, truly. Um, and I still is, but, um, he, um, you know, he, he, he actually said, you don't have to worry about a thing. I'll make you actually look great out there. You just listen to it. And I did. And, you know, and he made me feel comfortable. And he, he could make anybody look good. He's definitely, you know, one of the best, the nature boy. It's just, you know, amazing that, that you know, he can make guys look better than they are, or even guys that are green or inexperienced, he makes them look like they're pros. You know, also, it's not only that, it's the way he was. He didn't make you feel nervous, you know. Um, When I was in, the guys, you know, when I was in uh, Portland, Oregon, Jerry Gray, you know, I had, with the heels, I had a real, you know, they didn't want to work with me because they, you know, the thought I was stiff. And, you know, I'd get in the, the, uh, ring with them. And that's anybody that's new, obviously. You know, people don't want to get hurt. But Jerry Gray, you know, he he had been in the business a long time. He never had a really breakout career mid-card. But you know what? He made me feel comfortable in the ring, and I did really well with him. And I think that has something to do with how well somebody wrestles as well. As if, you know, if they, it's, it's the green, if you've got somebody that is caring and says, hey, listen, we're going to, you know, we're going to have a great match. You don't worry a bit. Don't worry about, you know, hurting me. I'll take care of myself. And, you know, can you just listen to me? You're going to have a good match. But if you got somebody that, you know, and there are people that, you know, hey, kid, you don't hurt me. You know, I'm, we're going to go out there and, you you know, you, you be very easy with me. You know, um, <laughs> and, you know, it, it, of course, you're going you're gonna to be nervous. So I think that had a lot to do with it as well. He had a calming way with him so yeah and i guess he's not doing too well now jerry's got some uh, health problems i believe he's got a, a big GoFundMe out there you know, for anybody that wants to support him but i know he was having a lot of health issues well i i was talking about uh about flair at that just now but yeah but oh yeah very great as well you know, yeah yeah right and he does have a lot of health he's got stage four uh, colon cancer, so I don't think he's going to be around a lot longer. He's having a hard time. Yeah, unfortunately, yep. And, you know, you obviously talking about some of your big matches, Flair might be one of the most biggest, if not the biggest, the Freebirds. Do you look back and have some favorites or, like, maybe some favorite opponents, guys who look back on very fondly, you know, outside of Flair, yeah, maybe uh, the Freebirds? I think the best matches I had in world class were actually with uh, – Buzz Sawyer and uh, Matt Bourne. I liked wrestling, especially with Buzz. Uh, but uh, I had some really good matches with Matt uh, in South Africa. 
you know, um, I was really, really big time over in South Africa and as a baby face, and um, they would bring in talent from the rest of, you know, from the States, and I would, I, would, I was a baby face there, but uh, I enjoyed wrestling uh, Matt every time he came. So good and interesting, Buzz Sawyer. Usually, you hear kind of some negative things that he was stiff or snug or took advantage of stuff. And you're saying you like Buzz. So, what's kind of been your experience with him? Great. You know, I like somebody wrestling a little snug. It didn't bother me at all. I didn't mind. Um, easier to sell too. <laughs> you know, it's hard to. <laughs> I think I wrote in the or Vinny. Sorry, Vinny wrote in the book. Uh, about Mega Maharishi, you know, I could barely touch him. He, you know, he wouldn't let me touch him at all. It was crazy, you know. I mean, I mean, I'd barely touch him, and he would cry. And then you get somebody like Kendo Nagasaki, which was on the other extreme. Uh, he was five times more stiff than uh, 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 Matt or uh, Buzz. <laughs> Just really, really stiff. So I—that's the only person I ever wrestled that I couldn't stand wrestling. He was just very stiff. So you prefer almost that stiff, snug style because it—it looks more real or it's easier to sell. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, grab a hold. It's okay. I mean, we're, it's kind of wrestling, right? I mean, it's mm-hmm. not yep. me at all. Yep. But was a good guy. I like him, you know, and. Uh, like I said, Matt, too, uh, those were my two favorite. And, you know, I liked also uh, wrestling with Black Bart. Uh, not, he wasn't stiff or anything, but I enjoyed wrestling with him. Uh, um, but those are three that come to mind that I actually enjoyed wrestling. Uh, I've seen King, King Parsons, I like uh, working with on, uh, you know, like on a tag team. Um, uh Skip Young. I don't know if those guys are still even alive. I don't know, but but uh, you know, I I liked wrestling with them. I never wrestled against them, but uh, but yeah, there was a, a lot of people came through there. Uh, but those are the ones I can think of that I enjoyed really wrestling. Freebirds. I actually liked working with Freebirds. You know, Terry Gordy. I liked a lot, wrestling a lot. Freebirds were great, especially Gordy. I think he's probably the standout as far as wrestling, for sure, in, in, in that trio. As far as where you've wrestled, I mean, man, Israel, we mentioned uh, South Africa, obviously Texas and, and Portland being the big ones. Where was your kind of favorite place that you ever wrestled? Of all those? Yeah, in your whole career. South Africa by far. By far, you know, I, you know, South Africa for me was the, you know, the the best, you know, in every way. The country has been very good to me. I've, you know, I've sold my business there, and um, I, I had a, in every way, I had a great career there. So I would have never. I don't think it could have worked out any better. Now you left world class in in 1987. And basically, people kind of maybe not even realize, like, man, you used to wrestle for about 10 more years. I mean, like like we mentioned, all these different countries, of course, like you just said, South Africa, all these different places. 
feel like a lot of people think that the retirement was in 87. Do you get that a lot from people? Like, wow, I can't believe you wrestled for 10 more years after that. Well, most people don't even, you know, I mean, because I've, like I said, I've been so far removed from the States, you know, that uh, I don't really, just until recently, because I've got all these people bombarding me with, uh, you know, Facebook requests because of the, the book. You know, I don't know how they mm-hmm. find me, but uh, <laughs> but just recently. But yeah, I think that a lot of them were surprised to to find out that I'd actually carried on. You know, and the great thing about South Africa was I could pick and choose where I wanted to wrestle. I wasn't making my living that way. You know, I had health clubs, and you know, uh, so for me, if I if there was some place that I wanted to go and wrestle, I could do it. And if I didn't want to do it, I didn't have to. If it was too far for me, I wouldn't go. If it was some place I hadn't been, I would go. You know, so for me, that was actually the ideal thing. You know, is to to be able to wrestle when I wanted to wrestle and do the television when I wanted to do the television because it helped my business. You know, um, as far as people would come to my gyms just because of the you know, the exposure from the wrestling. When you retired from wrestling in 96, was that just like, ah, I'm done with the business? Was there any kind of thought of ever getting back in? Because like, like we're talking about, really, for 35 years, you just were like, yeah, I'm done with it, and that's the end of it. Was that you were just like done with it, just clean cut, boom, it's over? Yeah, I, yeah, I think so. You know, the thing is that, you know, when I, it, it, I enjoyed it in South Africa. I hated it in the States. Uh, I got to hate it. Uh, I think I always hated it in the States. Um, I, the thing is, you know, I was offered many, many, many times to go do these, I don't know what you call them, but one in the States whenever they do, uh, you know, they bring old wrestlers back and they do a... Lot oh, of autograph signings, conventions and stuff? Yeah, and they... You know, they were paying five hundred or a thousand dollars, and you know, the it's in the ticket. You know, and I never did it. I didn't. You know, for a thousand bucks, it's not worth my time to even get on an airplane. You know, if I, in my mind, you know, so I never did any of that. And I had people offer me always to, you know, they pay for my my trans to do that. I just never had any desire to do it. I didn't even want to do a book. In reality, I didn't even want to book a book. Vinny sold me. I don't know how. There was something about him that, just in the way, I hope he's not listening, but just in the way that he actually, you know, uh, just the way he was, he he's a, he's a charismatic guy. Um, and he kind of convinced me into doing it. And, you know, I, 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 anybody else, I wouldn't have done the book. It, you know, we did, we spent a lot of time. You know, he called me on Sundays and, we spent a lot of time on the telephone, and I, a lot of this I didn't remember because I kind of put it out of my brain because it wasn't a happy time for me. You know, most of that Von Erich era there, Portland was better, you know, and I had a better memory of Portland. I mean, I had a better time. Uh, but, you know, it was just such a whirlwind and world-class that I just didn't have time to enjoy anything about it. You know, so... I had a hard time remembering, you know, remembering some of this stuff. But uh, he did a great job. You know, I read, I actually, and I was surprised because I gave him all this information and he kind of, 
you know, we cut a lot out of the book. It just kept coming, you know. I mean, like, you know, it was just stuff that I thought of, you know, um, afterwards. Every time I hung up, I said, oh, man, I should have told, you know, that story. Or, oh, man, I should have told this story. And, you know, you just you just can't put it all in a book. But when he wrote the book and he had, he had written the book and he had finished it, um, he sent me the chapters. And I didn't really even want to read it, actually, for some reason. And then all of a sudden, I kept telling him that I was reading the book, and I didn't. Uh, you know, the, the, I read one or two chapters. Um, but when it was all together, and he says, listen, you need to read this so we can, you know, print it and get it going, I read the whole thing. And from cover to cover, well, from chapter, from first chapter to the, the end of the chapter, and if I didn't know it was me, I would have... You know, I would have liked the book even if I wasn't a wrestling fan. I just found it interesting the way he had written it. Not because it's of me, but the journey that it was, you know, and all the stuff that happened in all that time, you know, it was actually, I found it interesting. So, and I'm not, I'm not saying that because it had anything to do with me. I just, the way he wrote it, he's, he's that good a writer. And I think he's got a, big career in the future. I don't know if it would be, you know, wrestling, it would be uh, writing for wrestling, but I think he could write about anything. He definitely did a great job with this book, and I think it's great to get you, not only because of your journey and everything you've been through, even out of wrestling, I think so many wrestling fans are dying to know and dying to hear from you after 35 years, I feel like the wrestling business has been missing you. I don't know if you realize that, but I think they've been missing you a lot. No, I don't know. I, like I said, it was kind of interesting to see all these people writing and saying that they were, you know, fans of mine and wondered what happened to me, blah, 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 blah. You know, and it was kind of interesting to see that uh, from all over, you know, people were writing me from places. I, I didn't even know they, how they would even know me. You know, from Pakistan and different places, and somehow they actually knew. You know, a lot of them were kids when they were watching wrestling, obviously, so, you know, five, six, seven years old. It is amazing now, especially with modern technology and them tracking you down one way or another or seeing footage on YouTube or remembering back when they were kids and watching it and, and seeing documentaries and stuff. It is amazing. Looking back, do you have any regrets as far as wrestling? Um, having, if it hadn't turned out the way it turned out, uh, maybe. But you know what? The only regret that I would have had that I could possibly think of at the time is listening to, uh, actually, to uh, Don Owen and stayed there for a couple of years. You know, I... I what's kind of strange is I wasn't very good at uh, you know doing the commercials you know like for uh, when they tell you to talk about the towns or when they you know doing the matches when they'd actually do uh, you know you you you'd uh, talk about the the next week's match I just didn't have enough you know I didn't have enough practice at the time you know and I. I I wish that I'd stayed in Portland and worked on that as well because that's a lot of it is you know that you can you know what you can do on the microphone as well and uh, I think that if I'd stayed in Portland for a couple more years and I'd gone to uh, got 
you know, not mess my body up and actually kept on lifting weights and that I could have gone to um to New York and I think I would have I think I could have done very well there. Having said that, you know, it is what it is and it came out okay anyway. If I was sitting if I was broke, you know, and I you know, and I was on I don't know, on welfare or whatever looking back then yeah, maybe I would you know, I'd have a lot of regrets but I don't. You know, so I, it all turned out good. Absolutely. Next, I'm on the roof of my house next to the ocean and a golf course looking out at the, you know, at the, the moon right now. So it's good. That is a, a nice kind of a scenery to, to think about and think about in my mind for sure. When you look back at Lance Von Erich and look at the wrestling career, what do you think is kind of the legacy or what's the stamp of, of Lance Von Erich kind of looking back? That legacy? Yeah. I, it's hard. I mean, you know, I I think that I, I had a great time. I was at the right place at the right time for a short, a very short flash that uh, I think I gave some of the fans, at least before I'd actually uh, quit, you know, some, some good memories. And I think that... Uh, you know, I hope they enjoyed it when we were there. You know, I know that it didn't last too much longer after I left anyway, you know, for the, the, the whole thing. It actually, you know, it kind of ran into the ground. Um, but I hope that, you know, the, uh, I hope that the fans enjoyed it while we were there. And the fans can learn even more about you by going to LanceByChance.com and picking up the book, Lance By Chance Wrestling as a Von Eric, of course, by you and Vinny Berry. Such a great book. I can't recommend it enough. It's a rare glimpse and a rare look at you. Like you said, you've been out of the business 35 years. So fans, I mean, it's not just wrestling. There's some other awesome stuff in there. Like we only touched the tip of the iceberg about the, the bomb on the train and the plane hijacking and stuff. So it's just so good and so interesting. Just want to mention that again, LanceByChance.com. Lance, do you have any other plugs you'd like to give? I know you're a pretty private guy. I don't know if there's any social media out there or anything you'd like to give other than the, the website where everybody can get the book. Yeah, contact Vinny. <laughs> he'll he'll send you a book. Uh, we're actually uh, signing books too, so if you want to sign a book, Vinny can organize that for you as well. Any, any of you uh, ex fans want to come to Mexico? Let me know. We've got a place for you to stay. Awesome, and it's great that uh, you're doing great down there. Like I said, been out of the business 35 years, but it hasn't been missed by you at all. You you haven't been missing it, which is good. So, Mr. Von Eric, thank you so well, much you. for all. I really thank appreciate you very it. much for having me. Okay. All right, guys. Okay, thanks again. Buenas noches. Thanks for listening to the two man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.